0: codes verified
1: priority one message from starfleet coming in on secure channel
2: Captains, you're listening to episode 326 of Priority One of Roddenberry Star Trek Podcast and your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Recorded live on Thursday, July 13th, 2017, and available for download or streaming on Monday, July 17th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. And in the audio booth, it's our audio engineer, Winters.
3: Greetings, everyone.
2: So, Tony, let's uh, jump on in. What's coming up this week?
3: This week, Star Trek Discovery has hired fact-checkers to make sure it keeps with established canon. Also, it's Star Trek Easter eggs a go-go, teleportation is closer to reality, and the Star Trek versus Star Wars debate literally rages on. In Star Trek Online and other gaming news, Season 13.5 is upon us, and Star Trek Timelines has graduated from beta. Later, we're interviewing Jeff Hewlett and Heather Barker from the Shore Leave podcast and getting geared up for convention season. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open up Hailing Frequencies for your incoming messages.
2: Captains, you know we love to keep the conversation going between episodes, so please reach out to us. We are on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash priority1podcast. We are also on Twitter at Priority One Pod, and you can even send us an email via incoming at Priority One Podcast.com.
3: Everybody, you know that it's very important to get actual financial support from week to week. It keeps the power running, it keeps the servers spinning, and it basically just makes sure that we're not out of pocket every week running the show and delivering you your latest Star Trek trick nuggets. There, I said it. <laughs> What helps us out the most is a little bit of love from you week to week uh, in the form of a Patreon donation. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash priority one for all our perks and uh, rewards. And help us out just a little bit bringing this to you week to week. And if you can't help out financially, just retweet, uh, like us on Facebook, tell your friends. Every little bit helps, and the more support we get, the better show we can make.
4: And just before we start the show, a little reminder again that we're always looking for members of the Priority One listener community to join the team and help contribute to our little corner of the galaxy. We're currently looking for audio editors. If you think you might be interested, send us an email to incoming at priority1podcast.com.
2: Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek Multiverse. Join, I
5: don't know. Then let's
2: trek it out.
3: Here's some news from the Star Trek Discovery Front. If you're one of the Star Trek fans worried about canon continuity in the newest Trek series from CBS, then producer Alex Kurtzman wants to put your worries to rest. In a report from CNET.com, Kurtzman, the co-writer of the first two J.J. Abrams films, announced that the series had hired Star Trek fact-checkers for the sole purpose of ensuring that every storyline and episode in the new series does not contradict established Star Trek canon of the past 50 years. He even alluded to the fact that some superfan writers had also been hired for this purpose. Kurtzman states, quote, Without spoiling anything, we are adhering to a timeline and sticking to the rules, but I also think finding some new areas and avenues that have only been alluded to but never fully explored. End quote. In respect to the mention of a timeline, he further states, quote, No, you have to respect canon. You have to understand the timelines and what the different timelines were and what the different universes were and how they all work together. You have to keep very meticulous track of who, what, when, where, and why. And we have people in the writer's room whose sole job is to say, nope, can't do that, end quote. While there's real fear evinced by fans concerned with the visual similarity between the Discovery trailers and the Kelvin timeline imagery, it's important to note that Kurtzman is espousing an articulate and apparently sincere response to those concerns. We'll all find out when Star Trek Discovery premieres September twenty fourth on CBS. This has got to be like the best job for any Star Trek fan. Oh yeah.
5: <laughs>
2: I was gonna say, did they put that out publicly? Because, no, dude, no. I can think of a lot of people who would love to have that job. Oh yeah. And of course, everybody. Would no, they that didn't job. put that out publicly. No. Yeah. No. Um, no. But uh, I find two. Sense.
3: I find two encouraging things about this. They're. I find that? two encouraging points. Number one, Kurtzman hired somebody else. <laughs> That's okay. number one. Yes. He said yes. I'm not qualified because on my resume you'll note that I have two JJ Verse movies on my 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 C V. That automatically disqualifies him from being keeper of the lore. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but this is fact. But he recognizes this fact and he addressed it appropriately. Number mm-hmm. two is that their job is to say no. And what I love about this is that when creative people like have carte blanche and like a huge canvas they tend to spill a lot of paint on it and make a lot of crap Mm -hmm. but if you say you have 4.6 ounces of blue paint and 3.7 ounces of green paint and your your canvas is five by seven go sometimes really amazing things happen when you restrict people like that and i think Mm -hmm. if there are people whose job it is to say no you can't do that and make people actually think think their way out of those problems like well if i can't do that i got to find a new way to solve it Sometimes you get yeah. better results than if somebody just can do whatever the hell they want. So I'm. This is good. I like this. Yeah.
2: I just hope that it doesn't turn out to be actually a couple of interns in a Star Trek T-shirt mm-hmm. on uh, on Memory Alpha. Uh,
3: I no no no. I find that extremely <laughs> no. Taste. I, no, but I imagine Memory Alpha is a huge resource. I mean everybody uses it. I used it when I did like missions. Simon Pegg
2: used it. it for Peg Star Trek it. Beyond. Absolutely. Probably
3: the best written of the three movies if you want to tell the truth. Yeah, mm-hmm. so so kudos yeah. to Mr. Pegg for that. But I mean I I don't I think they're they're paying a lot of lip service to it. They seem to be taking it seriously. So that's that's mm-hmm. that's good news. And then I'll then I'll say my other two magic words. Nick Meyer. And then I think I mean <laughs> You know, uh, you know, it's a, it's a roller coaster this this pre production of discovery here. Mm. Um, but I mean, and, but and of course the danger is them recycling too much. Like you coming back to that. I mean, I do want them to tell new yeah. stories, but I, uh, and, and, yeah. and and maybe by avoiding like it's a fine line. If you avoid the old stories, hey, that's a new story you're telling me. Just make sure the new story doesn't tread on canon. So
2: yeah, I want to make. Uh I just want to draw attention to Josh Truax in in the Facebook chat as we're broadcasting this recording live has mentioned, I still find it hard to believe they're going to let canon get in the way of what they think is a good story. And I think he makes a really good point that if it comes to this is a story we think we need to tell and it contradicts canon, I still think they'd be better off telling the good story. And then stuff gets explained away all the time
3: yeah retcon it but i
2: i would let i would let that be hopefully the exception but um i i I do think that the story's got to come first
3: well if they're doing what i think they're going to do and i really do think it's a section 31 black ops type thing you know a a ship all out by itself maybe not where it's supposed to be um you know they're telling they're telling the story of the seedy underbelly of the federation and and Mm -hmm. stuff that stuff that kirk Probably wouldn't know about or run into stuff that the Starfleet brass doesn't officially acknowledge. Um,
2: Maybe that's that niche they were talking about. I, we, I think yeah. we mentioned it a couple weeks ago that we found a niche that doesn't interfere with the other parts of canon. Yeah. Maybe that's you know could be like something like that.
3: Yeah, and it, it would get, it would be opportunities. You know, it's like you know like Back to the Future, uh, two. You know, when Marty mm-hmm. McFly is always like ducking in behind the door when Biff. You know, you know, I mean, it's that it gives opportunities to tell that kind of story like, well, what really happened on the journey to Babel with that ship that came in and attacking and Kirk got stabbed by the Andorian with the fake antenna, I mean they can tell a story around that or, or set it up because it's supposed to be 10 years prior. You know, they can set that stuff up and you go, oh yeah, that connects to that thing that comes later on. And it, They can do a lot of that and I think that, that there's some good storytelling there. It's what they should have been doing with Enterprise and didn't get to do until season 4. So mm-hmm. I think if they're starting off with that attitude um, and with fact checkers, I think that's 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 good. It's encouraging.
2: Uh, so listen, we spend a lot of time talking about discovery, and we spend a lot of time talking about very serious things um, mm. to do with Star Trek. So um, you'll be glad to hear that the next several stories of this week's check it out completely are the opposite. Complete, <laughs> completely the opposite. So uh, we'll just jump right in. Um, the next one, yeah. So. I'm going to freely admit that I haven't watched Jeopardy in about 20 years. Part of that's because I've been out of the country, to be fair. Um, But actually, when I heard about this next story, I was kind of surprised. And I thought, are they still running Jeopardy? It turns out it's actually at the same time it always was as well. Um, Yeah, it's still that uh, staple of dinnertime trivia banter. um, You know, if you don't actually want to speak to your family. But anyway, I digress. (laughs) Um, Apparently, one of their writers is a Trekkie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so last Tuesday, eagle-eyed Star Trek fans will have spotted that two adjacent categories on the primetime game show were titled Shaka and When the Walls Fell. Now, Shaka, of course, is referring to the eponymous Zulu king, and When the Walls Fell was all about war and conquest. But come on, it was Shaka When the Walls Fell. It was Mm -hmm. a tribute to the Star Trek The Next Generation episode, Darmok. And of course, in response, we all say... Trebek, his eyes uncovered.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see the I saw the I saw the still. I saw the capture, but I didn't yeah. see the clip. Did, did did anybody catch on? I don't know if anybody caught on during the no, show. I did
2: not I did not see the clip, but you uh, don't need to see the clip.
3: No, no, no. It's it's, it's just, just it, yeah. the, the
2: picture is enough. The, pi- the picture yeah, is enough.
3: I, 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 my money, I, my money's on the fact that nobody spotted it or nobody admitted to it on TV that that are enough of a big Star Trek nerd that went Hey, wait a minute! That's me. Hey. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I, I'm imagining. No, but that that was that's that is pretty fantastic. Uh, that's uh, you know, uh, one of the classic episodes. The other thing I like is uh, you all seen the T-shirt. I hope uh, with Picard holding like his big electric guitar, and he's wearing like a you know like a cut off uh, vest. And it's uh, mm-hmm. Darmok, and Jalad at Tanagra, September twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one. You know, it's like it's it's like a <laughs> nice. concert T-shirt. You know.
5: Yep.
3: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's that's it, uh, one of my favorite. I see that at the cons. Uh, when, when I've been in Vegas a couple times. I've seen that one there. All right. Well, going going from game shows to movie trivia. Every once in a long while, the streams of fandom cross, and this week it comes in the form of the latest Spider-Man film paying a little tiny fan service to Star Trek. Spider-Man Homecoming debuted in box offices last week, marking the sort of return of Spidey to the Marvel Cinematic Universe since he was bought by Sony Pictures in 1999. There's a tiny little Easter egg in the latest film, and it pays homage to Star Trek IV, the one with the whales. You might remember the scene on the bus in that film where Spock uses the Vulcan nerve pinch on a punk rocker with a rather obnoxious boom box which, for all you kids born after 1990, was a portable stereo with a tape player in it. Well, the same actor, Kirk Thatcher, appears in the background of one scene in Spider-Man Homecoming playing a disheveled man holding a boom box. And he's even in the credits as Punk on Street, not unlike his original Star Trek credit punk on bus in an interview with star trek.com thatcher said quote i was having a meeting with the guys at marvel and kevin feige had to leave early to catch a plane to new york i mentioned that i was going to new york too only two days later he got excited and asked if i'd be interested in doing a cameo as a punk in spider-man i said of course sure end quote and the rest is history
2: Shayna hoover in the facebook chat says um you're going to have to define tape player, too. <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> Good point. Excellent point. It's a point. primitive
2: form of um, audio, audio recording mm-hmm. um, peripheral.
3: So, you see, in modern is it, times, as we... Removable media. <laughs> removable media. I think it's an excellent way to describe it. Yes, in modern times. It comes with times, a
2: pencil for winding. No,
3: the pencil is sold separately. Oh, the that, was sold that was an accessory. That was an accessory. Yeah. No, no, no. But see, in the modern times, as we make this podcast, which you're familiar with, of course, being a digital distribution method, cassette tapes were magnetic tape in little plastic cartridges. And you could mm-hmm. stick a pencil in and rewind it, or you, the machine would sometimes rewind it for you. Uh, but the pencil is there as a manual sort of override. So it's very complicated. This is much simpler these days with firewalls and, you know, uh, USB digital sticks, signatures digital and, signatures, um,
2: end-to-end and end-to-end encryption, all that kind of stuff. Patreon way simpler accounts,
3: way easier, way easier. Mm-hmm. You know exactly. No. So, uh, but what, uh, I'm ninety-nine point nine percent sure that the Kirk Thatcher guy. I think he actually was the one that recorded the song that you hear play, The I hate you and I berate you. I think he actually, really? yeah. I, I'm ninety-nine point nine percent sure that he actually made that song. So, I mean, right. I hope I, I, I haven't seen Spider-Man yet, but I'm I'm sure hoping that they bought the rights. From Kirk Thatcher to his song that and had it playing on the boombox. I'm gonna be listening. I'm gonna be listening nice. if I go if if I see Spider Man. I, I might. I might not. I'd, it's not high on my priority list of things to do. Uh, but but to, we'll put we'll put the word out on the street there. If everybody give a listen when that guy comes, see if see if the I hate you and I berate you is playing through the boombox be curious to know. Finally this week while we're still 300 years away from Star Trek technology, Chinese scientists have managed to successfully transport photons 300 miles into space using a technique known as quantum entanglement, which sounds like it could be straight out of any Star Trek script as a uh, transporter precursor. This feat of teleportation, while far from sending actual matter to other locations is being heralded as a significant step towards the goal of creating an unhackable quantum internet according to The Guardian. While teleportation may bring to mind the image of a very familiar Scottish engineer beaming the crew of the Enterprise around, there is sadly no current initiative from this technology for transporting humans from place to place. The teleportation effect is limited to photons on a very fundamental, physical, tiny level. While this may cause a headache in trying to understand the process, it's easier and more fun to imagine that we are slowly but surely inching our way to the future that gene roddenberry imagined
2: i have so many questions which we can't even go into because none of us are physicists yeah but i've been so many questions
3: ask ask a couple because i might know because i've actually looked at i've I've been following this for a while i've been following
2: this for a while isn't quantum entanglement isn't that it's not actually it's not moving one thing to another place it's the two things and that are, are like paired right Kind of thing. So it's closer to that whole theory that actually, when you're being beamed from place to place, you're being disassembled at one place and being reassembled out of completely different stuff in another place.
3: Yeah. So if I understand this experiment, and I had to reread it like four times because it was not well, terribly well written. If I understand the experiment, what you have to do is you have to entangle photons when they're close, right? And you have to send them; to, they have to go through a beam splitter. And so they retain the same properties um, as they go through the beam splitter. And when you mess with one, the other automatically switches properties. So so there's a satellite, and on Earth they have the the photon generating apparatus, the beam splitter. They keep one and send another one. And they send the second one up to the satellite. And they do this, like, millions of times. Every time the satellite goes overhead, they just go bang, 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 and shoot a bunch of photons at it and then what they do is they mess with all the photons they kept and then they see right. how many of them in the satellite actually respond to that and so what they've done is they've beamed the photons at the speed of light to the satellite and then yeah. using quantum entanglement properties changed the states of the photons that were in orbit by messing with the states of the photons on the ground so that that's I, yeah so it, it's really complicated and weird but what they've done is they've kind of established sort of a statistical baseline for Mm -hmm. how often they can expect that to work and what they've done is they have humongously increased the range at which it's possible i think they beat the other record by like you know like a hundred times or something ridiculous like that i don't remember yeah no but i mean it's it was a significant amount i may have it may be 10 maybe it's 10 i don't know but a lot more um Mm -hmm. so this is a pretty big step forward because it basically kind of uh makes it if it works it's Impossible to intercept. Um, yeah. Uh, but if um, and so they've kind of made a proof of concept, like we can talk to a satellite and you can't know what we're saying. Ha, 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 ha,
5: ha.
3: So <laughs> that's kind of a that's kind of an uh, that's kind of an ouchie f- uh, from the you know the Chinese just gave us kind of a black eye on uh, cryptography. Like we don't mm. have enough black eyes on intelligence already these days. But yeah, that's a pretty pretty big story. It's a pretty big story.
2: Now let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online.
3: Computer status report.
2: Status.
3: Incoming message.
2: I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, captains, welcome once again to Star Trek Online News, where it's the launch of season 13.5. Well, uh, tomorrow is. Woo-hoo. Uh, Well, only if you're listening to this show on Monday, July 17th. If you're listening to it on Tuesday, then yay, it's launching today! And if you're listening to this on Wednesday or after what the heck took you so long because this show comes out on monday come on Uh, well we've pretty much covered what's going into this new season but here's just a quick little reminder of what's in the update there's a new ferengi admiralty campaign where you can earn dilithium gold press latinum and the special quarks triumph admiralty card there's the new endeavor system uh, that's going to be making its debut this week and that offers players new challenges almost every day This new system will be as varied in prizes as the tasks they ask you to complete, sure to hopefully bring a bit of variety to your daily play. And of course, we can't forget the premiere of a brand new featured episode featuring the voice talents of both Tony Todd and STO newcomer J.G. Hertzler. Woohoo!
3: That's right, we've had more details about the upcoming featured episode, and when I say more details, I mean really no more details. We have got a little extra background, though, so that'll have to do. Staff content designer Ryan Levitt penned a short teaser story this week, apparently set just before General Rodek sets off in search of Martok. In it, we are reintroduced to Lady Sarella, acting head of the House of Martok since her husband's disappearance. Now, this isn't the first time we've seen Cyrella, and, of course, we'll know when the new episode is out, whether she actually appears in it or not. Uh, We start before in the mission, The House Always Wins. This is the one, if you'll recall, we fight alongside Worf and Kim Tar, a.k.a. Alexander, against the House of Torg. This is also the episode where we are unable to stop the tragic death of Alexander at the hands of Torg, right in the middle of the Great Hall on Kronos. Uh, we've got some serious Star Trek and Star Trek Online history set to be played out on this episode, uh, so if you're listening to the show on Tuesday and after, go play it. If you're listening on Monday, aren't you clever? But you'll still have to wait till tomorrow. Now, I have a quick question, though. This is by, by The House of Torg... Mm-hmm. Isn't Torg the second officer on the Bird of Prey in Star Trek Three? Is he the same guy? Have we ever established that or known that or figured that out or whatever? I do not
2: know. Wow, that is a that is a level of nerd I did not expect out of you, Tony.
3: <laughs> I'll refer you to my shuttlecraft full of Star Trek trivia just, questions I just, that I, I have just... over here.
2: It's those kind of questions that fill me with fear as a Star trek fan because I'm a huge well, Star trek yeah. fan but like that kind of level of detail wow well I, I mean, really don't know i'm
3: gonna partially i'm gonna i'm gonna take a little i'm gonna take a little take a little beating here a little drubbing here because i i haven't i never cared for the Klingon stuff very much i think i I played through two, maybe two thirds of the Klingon campaign and I never really like dug it. What? But this is... A, I know, I know. See, I told you I was going to take a drubbing. I'm I'm, in, I'm. freely admitting it. It's okay. It's like Kenan never watching the, the original series or whatever it is that she hasn't watched. Um, yeah, yeah, Winter says... Uh, for those for those of you listening on the radio, Winter is just uh, pantomime slapping me across the face <laughs> two or three times. So uh, I, I I accept it. I accept it. I deserve it. But this is something uh, that has bothered me ever since the sort of season 13.5 warm-up uh, had, came around because Kestrel, the former writer... Uh, was was deep in the lore. I mean, she she
5: mm-hmm.
3: knew all the things, and so she wouldn't name somebody Torg unless it was Torg. I don't think so. Uh, I would. I'm kind of curious to know if anybody out there in the uh, in, in listener land knows the answer to that one, uh, and can can correct me or guide me in this in this matter, in which I'm sadly ignorant.
2: Uh, so. I'm super clever, and I opened Wikipedia, well, uh, Memory Alpha, and it says, Torg was a male Klingon officer in the 23rd century Klingon Empire. In 2285, he served on a Klingon bird of prey, later known as the HMS Bounty, under Commander Krug. Yes. Um, Played by John Larroquette. Yes. Yes. uh, Yes. And, well, Torg was played by an actor called Stephen Liska. Um, Who's actually
3: John Larroquette. Is it? Yeah
2: that's just completely blown my mind. Um, it doesn't say whether he died or not, but it may well be the same one.
3: Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I think he was, I think he had it I think his name credited as it. But if you look at him, he is John Lerricket. I mean
2: I mean the implication in this story blog is that Torg is going to feature and he is going to be the dude that we have to confront because um, Sorella makes a point of saying if you can't find him then we're going oh, to Oh, go I'm sorry, after that's Maltz.
3: Never mind. That's Maltz. Never mind. Malt is John Luricat. Malt is John Luricat.
2: Oh, right. Okay. I was going to say, he doesn't look much like John Luricat. But anyway.
3: Torg was the guy that got blown up on the Enterprise. That's who he was. Torg was the first officer, not the second officer. There we go. So maybe it's his house. Yes. Maybe it's his house. That's 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 the question. That's, yes, that's, but he's still,
2: right. presumably still around. I mean, they do imply that we might be seeing him if they can't get Martok back or uh, or it may, it, they imply that Torg is the one holding Martok, et cetera, et cetera. It's a very short story blog. Uh, it doesn't really give us any information about what's going to happen in the episode, but it's sort of implying about things that might happen. And the you know these characters, Sorella, um, Martok and Rodek, these are characters that we've seen on screen before so potentially this is going to be one of those very very good featured episodes and i personally am looking forward to it
3: heavily into klingon lore which i am sadly ignorant about (laughs) yes exactly so go ahead and slap me again winters i deserve it go ahead okay good radio well done good
2: (laughs) so that's a really good opportunity for us to ask a community question this week have you played the new featured episode in season 13.5? That's the one called Brushfire. If you've played it, uh, we want to know your thoughts. So please write in and tell us. You can either email us at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. You can comment on the blog post for this episode at priority1podcast.com forward slash PO326 or leave us a comment on one of our social media channels.
3: And if you don't know what to do while you're waiting for Season 13.5, there's always something new to learn from Winter's Top Tip. In an effort to lend a hand to new players, or even surprise the most veteran captains in
4: Star Trek Online, here's my weekly Top Tip. This week, my Top Tip is going to be pretty sure compared to most. It may seem obvious, but it's always a good idea to keep a cannibal tribble in your inventory at all times. As you might have guessed, a cannibal tribble will eat normal tribbles that are common or uncommon quality. Once a tribble has been eaten, it will be turned into a tribble carcass. They will not consume tribbles that are rare or higher quality. You can get a cannibal tribble off the exchange fairly cheap, or you can breed them. There is also a chance to get one from the duty officer assignment, confiscate contraband from crew, for more information on cannibal tribbles and a full breeding guide, we will leave a link in the show notes at priority forward slash po 326
2: Ooh, question. Yes. Yeah. Do triple carcasses stack? Yes. Yes. See, this is this is where the 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 cannibal tribble is helpful because when I was a very new player in Star Trek Online, I didn't know anything about tribbles or my inventory or anything. I didn't know anything. And I kept getting frustrated because, oh my god, I'd be in the middle of a battle and not able to pick anything up.
0: Yep. It um,
2: And that's where, yes, then I figured out that it's because at some point I had picked up one Tribble. <laughs> I picked up one Tribble and like 12 Rokasa juices and pretty soon my entire inventory was filled with Tribbles. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Just tribbles everywhere. Yep. Tribbles everywhere. Yep. Um, well,
2: and, <laughs> and that's kind of how so, they yeah. work. <laughs> I mean, I kind of collect them now, actually. they I have quite a number living in my account bank, but um, uh, not my account bank, my normal bank. Uh, but yes, uh, when I discovered the cannibal tribble, I was like, oh, it's the best thing ever. Hmm.
3: Yeah. Uh, what always confused me, though, is I, I think you can only turn in the carcasses on the Klingon side, right? Correct. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's, no, there's no Federation turn in triple carcasses. No. Yeah, which is disappointing, but uh, you know, I guess that's by design because Federation people—they're all they're so cute. Oh, the crazy tribbles are so cute. No, they're vermin. They're pests, and they fill up your account inventory if you're not careful, and they're annoying. Yeah, but
2: it's really fun. Little, um, I see. Okay, see, you've hit on my Star Trek Online nerddom because I love the little tribbles, and they're the breeding uh, game was a
3: huge thing early on in the game. I mean, it was a thing that people did.
2: And still, the special ones are fun. The Kelvin Tribble is a must-have Tribble. I know that's lame, but when you pet it, it gets lens flare. Like, it's a, <laughs> you need to have I miss the that Kelvin. One. Dr- I missed oh, that one. It's brilliant. It's so fun. You can only get it in that one episode where you go to the Kelvin timeline. It's brilliant. I love it. Uh, just because it's fun. Um, also, all of the um, all of the common ones, I think it's the common and uncommon ones, the ones that have the little three little letters after their name, they're right. all named for um, mm-hmm. Stowe developers, yes. aren't yep. they? Yeah. are. So this is like history of Stowe going on. They, they just look, you know, you look at them and you're like, what does that mean? Like, triple star. You're like, whatever. But it's that because that one was, I think that was Dan Stahl, was it? Yep. That one? And it's yep. yep. a whole bunch of, um, you know, so it's just it's just a fun little piece of the game that's got a lot of history built in. And um, it, it's pure fun. It's just fun.
3: Yeah, it's just goofy.
4: Just to correct you on a couple of things there. Uh, number one, there are rare and very rare tribbles that are named mm-hmm. after developers.
2: Oh, are they? Okay.
4: Also, have you ever heard the board tribble? No. No? Okay. So, when you pet the board tribble, do you remember yeah. the old dial up signal that when you were dialing up to the internet oh, yeah. from the yeah. 90s? That's what you yeah. hear. That's one of the things that you can <sighs> hear from the board tribble.
2: I, that's one I don't have. I need to get the Borg Trouble. Yeah, you have to I've purchase that one off, of, this, uh, um,
4: off the uh, C store. You have to purchase that one there. Yeah,
2: I'll check that out. I've got I've got a lot of the other rare ones, um, but um, but no, but not that one. Yeah. Wow.
4: I, I figured that you hadn't heard that, but uh, I thought it was mm-hmm. a nice little tidbit to share with you. I, I think it's funny. Yeah. I, you know, you pet it and you hear the...
5: Yeah. Ding,
3: ding, yeah. yeah, that's it. That's it. And finally, in Priority One Armada news, we want to highlight a few members who have gone above and beyond the call of duty for the Priority One Armada. These members have been unanimously nominated by the senior staff for the Outstanding Service Medal in recognition of their recent donations to the Armada website. So it is my honor and privilege to present the Outstanding Service Medal to Captain Bosch at Jedi 0011 of the Priority One Alpha Fleet, Commander Eros at Joe Cool 3611 of the Priority One Delta Fleet, and Commander Flashart at Flashart 69 of the Priority One Epsilon Fleet. This is an extraordinary accomplishment. Each of you have become part of a very distinguished group within the Armada, and we are very grateful for your generosity and dedication to the Armada.
2: And just finally today, uh, this is a an other gaming, it's not Star Trek Online related, but Star Trek Timelines has now graduated from closed beta and is now available for free on the Steam store. So that's on PC. You can go and truck it out now and let us know how you get on.
3: Well, that's it for Star Trek Online and other gaming news this week, but now we have a special treat for you. We're gearing up for the 2017 official Star Trek Las Vegas convention here in just a couple weeks. And to help us get in the mood, we've invited Jeff Hewlett and Heather Barker from the Shore Leave podcast to join us. Shore Leave is your Star Trek convention community podcast, and together, Heather and Jeff tackle all things con. Today, we're talking to them about what it's like at the con, what you'll want to see when you go, and a few top tips as well. Whether you're a seasoned con vet or you've never been to one in your life, you'll find something new to learn. So without further ado, Here's Jeff and Heather.
2: Heather and Jeff, welcome to Priority One. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I can't believe that it's been so long uh, for for us having you on here. Oh, thank yeah
1: you so much. Well, it's a perfect thing for us to talk about, so we're excited to be here. Yeah, well, yeah. Right. Can-
2: that's right. Well, um, Heather, I met you last year at STLV, and Jeff. Sadly, we kind of missed each other. Um, but you guys uh, on your podcast Shore Leave, you you basically are talking about uh, conventions. Is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Mostly. Uh, well, we started off talking about STLV, but we've branched out to include all different types of conventions, including Trek and other Comic Cons and things of that nature. Let's talk a little bit about that Genesis. What What inspired you guys to start
6: uh, a podcast? about specifically about attending conventions
1: so yeah jeff and i didn't even know each other a few years ago and um we became friends at the 2015 convention uh that it's a crazy story we've told it a thousand times over and over again about how we met um i'll save that for for our podcast if you want to listen to that story but he invited me to come on to the tricorder transmissions after the convention to talk a little bit i guess we did one where i we just did a recap right
0: yeah so yeah we had done a couple previous stlvs me and my podcasting partner craig who started the tricorder transmissions with me uh, almost four years ago now and we were doing what we called supplemental episodes after the convention just to talk about our experience there and talk to people that we had met and after the 2015 convention uh, the second part, I think it was late August or so, um, we had Heather on to talk about all the cool stuff that she was doing there, cheer fleet and cosplay and all sorts of really interesting stuff. And we became friends, uh, really good friends after that. And she wound up showing up on a few of our other supplemental episodes throughout the winter time in 2015. And then she came to me with the idea for Shore Leave. So go ahead and pick it up from there if you want.
1: Yeah, uh, I've been going to the Star Trek Las Vegas convention since 2009. Uh, this will be, I guess, my my ninth consecutive year going, oh, and oh. <laughs> it's uh, I'm certainly addicted to going. I have found the great sense of family there, and so. I had just started listening to podcasts and I was like, well, why don't we have like an STLV 101 type podcast where we can talk about what goes on at the convention and, you know, how, what kind of, what the difference is with tickets? Cause there's a lot to know. It's, it's a big convention. It's a, what, a four day, five day convention at this point. <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah, we, it, we did our first episode and again, we, we did focus on STLV in the beginning, but, We've got such a great community of Star Trek fans, especially in our unofficial Facebook. Uh, It's the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas Facebook group. It's a mouthful. (laughs) It is. It is. Unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas convention group on Facebook. (laughs) We usually mess it up. Uh, But so many of our friends, you know, reached out and, and offered to come onto the podcast to talk about the local conventions that they've been going to. So we've kept it up year round. We've talked about so much. We're focusing on some specific Convention-related subjects like dealing with anxiety. Uh, we're going to talk about harassment later this year because that's mm-hmm. that's a request from many of my friends and something that I feel is important to talk about. But uh, we, we love doing it together. Jeff and I have become great friends because of it. And I think we've been able to build even a stronger STLV community uh, as, as well as a having a place to talk about conventions. It's just something that, that wasn't really out there. Uh, so we're happy to provide that platform.
2: Now, obviously, you are a convention veteran, um, and we were talking before we started recording that you've been to conventions pretty much your whole life. Now, I know for a fact that we have listeners that have never been to a Star Trek convention. Maybe they've never been to any convention. Um, it's pretty obvious that you guys are both into so. Zo- sort of that whole con life um is it something that you would recommend for somebody that you that who's never gone um you know for anyone really or do you think you need to be kind of a specific type of person in order to go and get on well at a convention
0: i would definitely say to go if you have any kind of inkling if you're even thinking about going to a star trek con definitely give it a shot i mean you know there are different across the country, and you know, STLV is the the biggest one in the United States. And mm-hmm. but there are other smaller ones that happen all across the country. If you're not a thinking of coming to a big one, is too much for you. There's other smaller ones that you may be able to attend. But of course, you know, STLV is a bit different than all of those. But I don't think you have to be a certain type of person. Do you think, Heather?
1: No, no, not at all. I mean, you know, if you have anxiety issues, it can be intimidating because it's a lot of people. But I have found that. It's true for almost everyone we've spoken to. Once you're there, you're among friends. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so easy to just reach out and talk to someone, oh, what's your favorite Star Trek series? Mm-hmm. You know, who's your favorite captain? You, you know that in that one place, you have one thing in common with everyone there. And that, that to me, creates a sense of camaraderie and intimacy that I don't find at other conventions, especially yeah. those that are not Star Trek-focused. I feel like a stranger (laughs) at Mm -hmm. those conventions uh, because I go and I don't I don't really know many people whereas STLV is is my family at this point and Mm -hmm. that's that's why we're so passionate about this specific convention as the family element and the fact that so many of our our friends have have become family not just people that we talk to every day but then you know people that just our family tree continues to grow. <laughs> right. So. It
0: really does. <laughs> it's, so I'll, it's amazing. Yeah, I'll, I'll quickly just co-sign on, on what Heather said. I've been I've been a convention goer for a lot of years um, here in, in the New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania area. I started out going to a lot of sci-fi and you know horror conventions are really big around here. We only have one Star Trek convention. That's the creation convention that happens pretty close to where I live. But um, the community, once I got to start going to Star Trek Las Vegas, I think this will be my fifth year, I can't even remember now. But uh, once I got out there the first time and I started to realize how different that convention was and and uh, you know, I think we we often talk about the the second year hook and it, you know, you go the first year and you're you're gung-ho going to all the panels and seeing all the celebrities and you know, getting caught up in the con whirlwind and the second year you go back more to see the people that you met the first year. Because, you know, there's a lot of repeated content sometimes and you, you go back and you start to get into a, a groove and you start to meet more people. And it's, it's a phenomenon that I had never experienced in all my years of going to other conventions of other types. It's, it's really hard to, to put my finger on exactly what it is, but that community of people that go to that convention every year is a very special group of people. So, you know, you guys talk about the camaraderie and
6: about that first-time experience. You know, I, I, I think back on my first time, which was, uh, I want to say, almost 10 years ago now. And I had no connection to Star Trek in terms of meeting other people. You know, like, my friends knew I was a Trekkie, but I was alone. And I and Creation had a convention in Secaucus, New Jersey. Um, mm-hmm. And I had attended, and I, I bought, like, the captain's package. I figured, like, you know, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go as, as – As far Mm -hmm. as I can. Yeah. And I'll tell you what. I met several people there who I've now had lasting acquaintances with and friendships with. Uh, You know, I I think of one or two people, Chris and um, one older woman. And her name always escapes me. But if it had not been for her, I don't know that I would have ever come back to a a Vegas convention. Like, if it had not been for her, I don't know that I would be podcasting about Star Trek, doing something (laughs) about Star Trek online. Because she – took me in with with arms wide open. you know, she was like, "Come under my wing, I'm gonna introduce you to everybody. We sat at the table that dinner with the the cakes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know so if for for our listeners who are you know thinking about going to a convention, if you want it to be a Star Trek convention and there happens to be a local one, a smaller local convention, you're because you're not yet ready to dive into Star Trek, something like Star Trek Las Vegas. That's the best thing you could do, like a creation convention or one of the other, um, like shore leave in in um, Maryland. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, like those mm-hmm. smaller conventions are sometimes a nice way to kind of get your feet wet mm-hmm. into the into the circuit.
1: Mm-hmm. They often Absolutely. give you better access to the celebrity guests too.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: We yep. have a small one here in Denver called Starfest, which is a fan-run convention, and one of their usual things Friday night they have like it's a special ticket, I think. But they have kind of a a pre-party, and the celebrities all show up, and they go from table to table, so you get to, to socialize and talk to them. Wow! Uh, and that's something that that it may happen in Vegas, but not it not like this, mm. um, no. in, and not for the. I mean. Even with a ticket charge, it's less expensive than than what you would pay for a similar experience in Vegas.
5: Mm-hmm. But yeah, they don't sure.
1: even they don't offer those anymore. They used to have like breakfast and uh, bingo and all sorts of things where you would interact with the celebrity guests, and and they stopped offering those for some reason. Hmm. Yeah.
6: So, for you convention veterans, what is the
0: best part of the of the, the
1: whole oh experience
0: God. for you? God wow that's a tough question seeing
1: my friends that's easy yeah that's the easiest it's, thing ever it's seeing my friends
5: <laughs> yeah well I,
0: I thought you meant specifically about the convention but yeah seeing our friends is definitely the family and the friends is definitely the the biggest bonus now it's, it's the best part of the whole thing but i mean for for people who are new who are considering going to the convention it's wow I don't know how, what we would even say if you were just going for the first time there's so many great things to do yeah. especially at a creation convention one of the things I I love to say is great about creation specifically is that you're guaranteed a seat for mm-hmm. every panel yeah. in the main hall which as we all know is going to other conventions that is not a common thing
5: right. and yeah. it's
0: a, it can be a point of serious frustration uh, when you go to things like a comic con um, and, and you're stuck waiting in line for hours to get into a panel then you're you're sitting there and you get up and you go wait another line for a couple hours. Creation conventions, you can walk right into any panel and sit and watch it.
2: Mm-hmm. It's,
0: it's, it's a great, great benefit.
2: So we were talking a little while ago about um, new people who maybe haven't gone to a convention or anything like that. I have a couple of like uh, quick fire questions that might seem really obvious to somebody who's gone to millions of conventions. But maybe for somebody new, they're like not sure because of these things so I'm just going to fire them off and whoever wants to answer can answer them okay number one do you have to dress up
1: no absolutely not wear what is comfortable it's great to do cosplay if you've never done it I always say go for it but you do not have to you can wear
2: whatever you want Yep and I would I would echo that as well. I um I would actually recommend um, uh, uh, we're not sponsored by anybody but think geek is really great, startrek.com yes. is really great. They all have these kind of like star trek kind of Themed things that are not particularly cosplay. So mm-hmm. I've got my little Star Trek kaleidoscope dress that I recently got. So yeah. that, like, <laughs> it makes me feel like I'm dressed up, but yes. I'm not in full on cosplay and that sort of thing. So, yeah, um, okay. yeah I would just echo that. Okay. Uh, I
0: what else, real quick, by the way, I just want to throw this is something that came up in the Facebook group the other day. Mm-hmm. And I just thought this is perfectly. Uh, fits into this Uh, you don't if you do decide that you want to do something you don't have to spend a ton of money people were asking questions about is wearing you know a regular Ruby's shirt uh you know or or a costume that you can buy right off of amazon or another site is that Mm -hmm. frowned upon not at all not at all wear wear whatever you want and you will be perfectly accepted no one is going to laugh at you or ridicule you for for buying a, a costume off of amazon and putting it on it'll love you even more for doing it
2: Okay, uh question number 2. Am I going to feel out of place if you're if you're brand new and you don't know anybody, are you going to feel out of place?
1: I'd say no, no so. because you're you have to go in knowing that you're among people like you. Mm-hmm. I I do think that some people are are intimidated by the number of people, 6,000 people is a lot of people, and when you go for the first time, it's a very overwhelming experience, mm-hmm. but I think that even if you did have initial feelings of being overwhelmed or feeling out of place, those feelings will quickly dissolve Absolutely by the second day. Like once you get your groove on, you know where you're going, (laughs) you're a little bit more comfortable, and you're like, hey, I'm around like minded people.
2: Okay, uh, next question. And and this actually came into us via email a while back. Um, Seriously, though. What do you do for five days? So this is this is a, a specific a STLV question, question because the last year and this year STLV is five days long. What do you I do hydrate. at a convention for five? Yes, oh my Elijah hydrate. hydrates. Hydrate. <laughs> hydrate
0: is a great idea. Uh, they, I know Heather's got a lot of stuff she'll take too, but there you would not believe honestly how much content creation packs into these conventions. There is always something going on. You have the two theaters going with panels going on in each one. There's huge vendors' rooms, there's all sorts of stuff going on, so there's really never a shortage of things to do. Uh, if you're a panel person, you're never going to run out of stuff to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I'm sure Heather's got other stuff, but there's a ton of content.
1: Yeah, and the schedule doesn't come out until like a few days before, so be prepared to wait, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've tried time and time again to get them to release it earlier, but they're handling a, a, a lot of people, I guess. I don't know. They just don't release it until a week before. Outside of the actual convention creation, um, they do offer parties for the different ticket levels. So the gold ticket level and the captain's chair have their own voodoo, voodoo lounge dinner and that has entertainment at that. For gold and copper tickets, well for everyone really, they offer karaoke on thursday and friday and those are hosted this year by martok and galron oh my god <laughs> which there you have to go it's the best thing it's ever it's Klingon um,
2: karaoke isn't it it
1: is yeah it's a lot of fun. and then uh, the enterprise boys uh, connor ternier and dominic keating host the mm-hmm. other night uh there is a dance party for those gold and captain's chair t- tickets i i've I've been to that before it was a dance party, Uh, but along with that, there's also the Saturday Night Gala, which has the Star Trek composer Ron Jones and a jazz orchestra. So that's a little different from what we've had in previous years, and they've got several performers joining, including Jimmy Darren, Bob Picardo, Tim Russ... Uh, wow. Chase Masterson, mm-hmm. so that sounds like a lot of awesome singing and jazz yeah. <laughs> and, okay. uh, is, is different than than what they've done in previous years, so yep. there's there's a lot to do There's a Sunday night rack Pack. I mean the great thing about this convention is that Creation has so many evening events and then the Facebook groups oh, have their so own There are our, our own events we do um, bar meetups because people just seem to gravitate to the bars in the evening so masquerade bar i bar they're usually always packed mm-hmm. <laughs> after con hours but we're trying this year to figure out some other options for people who aren't comfortable at bars and um, the noise is sometimes an issue as well so mm-hmm. we're trying to organize some like gaming nights potentially in the convention center but oh, there are it's like there are all but there's always something to do so if there's not something on the schedule make sure to check out facebook groups and see what's offered there and then just wander wander to the bar wander down to the convention hall and see what's going on there uh there's a lot to do in five days <laughs>
5: Yeah,
1: now, i find
6: with the with the facebook groups is that sometimes even the facebook groups are can be a little overwhelming right like you have yours right the unofficial mm-hmm. group and then there are these other ones, and even I had tried to like localize it, like two years ago, three years ago, maybe. I was like, "Oh, STLV After Hours for stuff going on after." I was like, yeah. "Oh man, no, that's not gonna work because like now, that, because then other pe- there were still other Facebook groups that I had not known existed. So, I mean, what are other than uh, aside from your own, what are some good Facebook groups to kind of keep your eye on during a convention like Star Trek
1: Las Vegas? With STLV specifically, I think the other most active page is Star Trek Las Vegas, but it's and is the, that there's,
6: the official creation one, or is that no? Uh... It's
1: just it's just called Star Trek Las Vegas, and it's in just another fan run group. Um, Creations official page is semi active. They're highly moderated, and there's there's no real. Community feel. Mm. They don't, <laughs> like, don't, I don't interact say, much. Yeah, they they'll no. respond to com- like comments or questions here and there. Mm-hmm. But so that group has something like fourteen thousand members. Our group has not even four thousand, and our group is extremely more active than mm-hmm. than that group. So I hate to just promote our group, but from what I found, it seems to be one of the most active with the most newbie information. We've, we've spent a lot of time organizing it well, so that we've got mm-hmm. an STOV glossary with links to you know, co- events, um, cosplay questions, just basic questions about mm-hmm. where to eat at the Rio, what to do in Vegas outside of the convention. So these other smaller offshoots, I think Star Trek Las Vegas is really the only other one that I visit too frequently aside from smaller smaller groups that are related to podcasts Mm -hmm. and i check those just to see if they're going to have a a get together type event yeah
0: so and heather you know we're trying i just wanted to throw out there too you've been doing something a little bit new this year with our facebook group too is you've been kind of cross-posting some of the other fan events in our own events channel as well kind of just to To make it a little easier to find some stuff because it's i I totally get it there's a lot of stuff spread all over the place but there's a there's a good list now uh, in our events section as well that's kind of a Mm -hmm. cross section
2: yeah i think it's really great the way that you clearly care about bringing new people into the fold and into the fandom and into the con experience i think that's really nice i mean obviously um I've been to a couple of cons now, and I really enjoy my time when I go. And I want everyone to enjoy that, so I think it's great that you are uh, making a real effort to bring new people in.
6: You touched on this a little earlier, um, but I do find that even in comparison to things like a massive comic con, like New York Comic Con, uh, or even like Wizard World that happens in Philadelphia, I I do also kind of go in going i don't know anybody and there's so much star wars and marvel where's the (laughs) star trek um they're really the familiar feeling that you have going to a star trek convention whether it's vegas or whether it's a smaller local star trek convention run by a fan Mm -hmm. is so much different and to for me personally so much better you know i went uh to Albany, the Albany uh, Star Trek convention with Ken Ray in October, which was run by a fan, a fan whom I've met several times in in, uh, creation conventions, Uh, and I still had more fun there than I did and do at larger conventions because of the fact that it's so hyper-focused and I know that no matter who I talk to, I can strike a conversation Mm -hmm. and continue a conversation. Mm -hmm. About something like Star Trek, you know. Totally. Um, so you know, e- you know. I know we've been we've been talking a lot about Star Trek Las Vegas and how to, you know, what what to do, what not to do, you know, how, what, what to expect. But yeah, if you can go go to a local, if if you've never been to a convention and there happens to be a local Star Trek convention, don't miss it.
0: Yeah. Definitely agree. I, and you know, I, I love that you you pointed that out because it's definitely something that sets the Star Trek conventions apart. And it's it's hard to explain exactly what that thing is, but I think you did a really good job of of, of encapsulating that as opposed to you know the Comic Cons and the the other big conventions and the difference between the people who go there being hyper focused and being more uh, easier to identify people to mm-hmm. link up with because you know you have a common interest with everybody there as opposed to just subsets. Right.
2: One other question that I have um, just for new people coming in, and I think you actually partially have answered this already. Um, A Star Trek convention, any convention, can be a really expensive Mm -hmm. thing between the tickets and the travel and everything else. And a lot of the focus, if you go like onto Creations website, is around um, the extra ticket parties and photo ops and all of that sort of thing. Are you going to miss out, or is it going to be a waste of time if you can't afford all of those extras? I no. don't think so. Um,
0: <laughs> like we said before, now this is this is a, a, a this is a reiteration. We're mentioning it again, but buying a ticket or, or you know a, a pass to the entire convention or even single day tickets still gets you access to all of the panel content. So all of that stuff, you, you get a seat in the, the main theater room. There's mm-hmm. always a seat for you, no matter what ticket you have, and the secondary theater. Is, you know, it's a smaller one. You're not guaranteed a seat there, but there's generally enough seating available for most of the stuff that goes on in there. And if there's not, there's, there's plenty of standing room in the back. So you're not going to miss out on content. Um, and you know, there's, there are celebs that do you know, cheaper photo ops at tables in the vendors room or in the new uh, celebrities room if they're doing that again this year. So, mm. you, you know, if you're on a tight budget, there's a lot of ways to, to cut corners and, and find ways to get things cheaper and do things cheaper. <laughs> so it, it's, I know it sounds crazy because it's Las Vegas, but it, it really does. You can, you can get some good deals out there and without having to spend any extra money on extra creation ticketed items, I think.
1: Yeah, I can't I can't fail to mention that we did a podcast about STLV on a budget with Synthaholics. So, that is out there for people who are looking to spend less money. It's certainly doable and I my first year, I think I got 9 photo ops, oh 5 God. autographs and went to every panel and last year, I got no photo ops and no Me
5: autographs.
2: <laughs> it's really <laughs> funny. Yeah. It's really funny that you say that because um, I think Elijah mentioned it a minute ago. And actually, my first convention, which was um, Destination Star Trek in London in 2014, I like, I pushed the boat out, as they say in England. I bought everything. Like, I bought everything I could. Um, and since then, I'm a little more um, like, I calmed down a little bit. And actually, yeah. I didn't do any of that the next time i did um but yeah oh yeah
6: no i i don't spend any money anymore on on extra frills i get the the general admission and that's about it i i had a goal Uh, when i first started the convention thing that many years ago when the the creation convention was still in secaucus new jersey i bought the tng black and white photo op that was in that tv guide yeah
1: uh
6: thing And so what I did was I, I was determined to get everybody's signature. So I took that with me. And once that was done, once I had everybody's signature, that's it. I'm done. My 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 whale is caught. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: it. Yeah. There are certainly people who attend that they continue to get autographs and live for that. There are a lot of newbies that come. And I still think that it's valuable to get them if you can afford them. Mm-hmm. But ultimately... There are ways to, to go and not spend, right. you know, thousands of dollars. And we've we've got friends who come that don't even buy a ticket.
5: Mm-hmm. They,
1: they go, they will hang at the pool during the day, maybe walk down to the hall, see what's going on, and then hang out with people after hours or just when those people are out of the convention area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, again, that family focus and seeing your friends really drives drives a lot of attendees so
6: honestly you're probably better off waiting to get a photo op or an autograph at a local convention because it's much cheaper you know it's way cheaper than to do it at vegas yeah um i think the only reason i even brought that poster to vegas was because one of them like never did a creation convention i think no i think i don't know who it was but i was like i have to take it with me because i can finally finish the poster but (laughs) but you know, if you are able to go to a local convention, it's going to be way cheaper for yeah. you to do it. And then on top of that, with the smaller conventions, if you pay for an autograph or for a photo op, because you're not herded like animals,
5: mm-hmm. you,
6: there may be an opportunity for the actor to just take a moment and, and engage in a conversation with you. Yeah. Um, one example that I have is that at uh, Cherry Hill, at Creation's Cherry Hill convention, Nichelle Nichols asked me, asked me my name. Like she wanted <laughs> to know my, like me personally, and then I told her my real name, and she was fascinated by it, and we struck a conversation, and I will never forget that. But you know mm-hmm. when, where that won't happen? Or it's Vegas. unlikely to happen? In Vegas. Is at Vegas, because you know it's, it's thousands, hundreds of people it's, it's uh, uh, trying to get through a photo op, and you're just not going to get that kind of that attention.
1: No, and yep. I think that's a big reason why I stopped getting autographs and I enjoy having the photo more than an autograph, too. Yeah,
0: yeah I agree. Yeah, You, you know, just, just a quick side note, though, that if you do get photo ops and autographs in the vendor's room uh, that are not ticketed, you, you can also have that, that connection experience mm-hmm, with people. Because I've, I've had mm-hmm. I had a, a talk with Grace Lee Whitney for almost a half an hour. Uh, yeah. And it was brilliant. And uh, same thing with Bobby Clark. I talked to him for a length of time, and David <laughs> Gerald, and so you can get them in those rooms and, and talk with them. You're just not going to get that with you know your George Decay's and your William Shatners mm-hmm. and your Patrick right. Stewarts and things. Don't I- expect that.
1: I had that with George Takei, so I'm going to stop you right there. Oh,
0: George <laughs> Takei, but it was not in Vegas. <laughs> I Best had it at the much. Great Philadelphia Comic Con.
1: I had I I the, my first year in Vegas. I was one of the first tickets for George Takei's autograph, and he not only personalized but talked to us first for some time, until they had to stop and tell him not to personalize anymore. <laughs> yeah,
2: you've got a thousand but people waiting up. outside. <laughs> it's going to yeah, take you a while. I, oh, I definitely wonderful.
1: recommend. I definitely recommend saving stuff like that for smaller conventions. Mm-hmm. If you're planning on going to those uh, creation, they their prices are higher than those mm-hmm. smaller conventions. Yeah. And you know they've got a big convention to pay for in Vegas, so I understand yeah. why those prices are, are higher. But, okay.
2: Uh, Here's a question for you guys, because we talked a little bit about like what what not to do in Vegas. What's for this year what's what's the thing that you are gonna not miss that you definitely can't miss this year
1: i think i probably speak for both of us and that uh we forked over the money to pay for the tng panel oh did you <laughs> <sighs> yeah it's, that was a big scandal because they oh. came out and they were making everyone mm-hmm. pay for it and yeah the higher-level tickets, gold, captain's chair, copper, they, you know, rightly, they felt like that should be included. Really, creation has always promised that that the panels are free. Yeah. And my understanding with this situation is, is this wasn't something entirely in creation's control. Yeah. And that is perfectly understandable. Uh, I think that they did the best they could in, in essentially winding up paying for all of those copper Captain's chair and gold tickets. Ouch. But yeah. unfortunately everyone else has to pay the thirty dollars mm-hmm. to see the TNG panel, which will be sometime Friday evening. But uh, you know, it's the 30th anniversary of TNG this year, so that's really the standout be special. event. Yeah, there's there's also TNG related, there's an inner light panel with Patrick Stewart, Margot Rose, and Warren oh, yeah. Kendall. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that'll be really great. And then the Women of Warp, uh, they're doing their Women of TNG panel.
2: Yep, and that was, that was really, really good last year. And I'm oh. looking forward to seeing that again.
1: I never miss Women at Warp,
2: never. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> fantastic. Uh,
1: but there's also um, Remembering Leonard Nimoy, the documentary, mm-hmm. that will be screened for STLV mm-hmm. uh, yes. before its release in November. It'll be released on PBS. But uh, we just talked to the Julie Nimoy Mm -hmm. and uh, they will have that. It's scheduled for Wednesday sometime. So Wednesday is kind of the quieter day. It's the first day of STLV and it typically doesn't start until afternoon. Mm -hmm. Uh, And while sometimes I tell people that Wednesday is an okay day to miss,
5: I, I don't want to
1: miss, year. yeah. I don't want to miss the Remembering Leonard Nimoy mm-hmm. documentary. No, sure. uh, so, lots of cool stuff there. And then I think, uh, Discovery-wise, there's, you know, there's a panel up there, but I don't expect much from it. Uh, we've got mm-hmm. San Diego Comic Con, and so of course they're having a huge presence there. Yeah, and I support their focus on on doing it on such a platform you know stov is the niche market that they already have us yeah
6: right, right 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 uh,
1: yeah. so i you know maybe we'll get to see the trailers and hear a little bit from some of the producers or whatnot mm-hmm. but i don't think we're going to see a ton about discovery um so the last thing i can think that they're going to have is the 10 forward replica this year uh that's brand new to stlv they're going to have it set up to do photo ops on there will be a tng cast photo which i kind of wish i could like peek in and watch uh that's just they're sold out completely sold out um i can definitely see why yeah no one is surprised by that that's just that's going to be a phenomenal experience for everyone who was able to get a ticket and then i'm I think they're going to open it up, if they haven't already, they'll do the the single tickets where you can go up, to, like you and a friend go up and take a picture
5: mm-hmm. on 10
1: forward. But I imagine that for most of the con, it'll kind of be roped off like the TOS bridge has oh. been.
2: What I so. really, really wanted was for 10 forward to uh, replace Quarks for this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That would have been great. Yeah. So, for people yeah. who don't know, um, it, one of the it's like a cafe kind of area in one of the smaller ballrooms. They set up Quarks Bar, and then they have a like a sandwich bar, so you can go in and get a snack and sit down and and eat. And last year it was the Roddenberry Stage. I don't think it's going to be the Roddenberry Stage in there this no, year. CBS That'll, All Access stage. CBS sure. All Access stage. So it's a, sort of a smaller yeah. stage with some different programming on it. I was really hoping that for this year they would replace Quarks. And, and and make it into 10 forward. But it doesn't yeah. sound like that's going to happen.
0: No, no, it's still going to be Quarks. But um, So, oh, by the way, Heather, one thing, one other thing I wanted to throw in. I had Heather covered just about everything I could have brought up, but there's one other thing that I want to say that we're looking forward to this year, and this is going to sound oddly self-serving, but on Thursday night we're having our fourth anniversary party for the Tricorder Transmissions Network, so looking awesome. forward to that and seeing everybody who's going to be there and seeing our friends and having all of our hosts together in one place because we're all over the country so mm-hmm. we don't really ever get to see each other yeah we, we know that feeling
2: yeah <laughs> yeah exactly where where can we find out more about that
0: uh well the we're gonna have details on the party on our facebook page for the okay. tricorder transmissions
2: okay well listen we've had you on for a while now and I, I want to wrap it up I don't want to keep you too long tonight but uh, just before we go can we can we can you give us a, a top tip like if you could give one top tip to anybody who's going to Star Trek Las Vegas this year uh, what would it be and it could be something you know convention related like don't miss so-and-so's booth or or it could be like um, my personal tip is um, bring iced coffee like instant packets because there are no coffee machines in the rooms at <laughs> the Rio. Um, you know, things like that. Just one top tip. Can I give two? <laughs> oh, all, all right. right.
1: My, my first one is a given, and that is to hydrate. Yes. Drink water. You're in Las Vegas. We talk about this all the time on Shore Leave, and it is the most important because you are giving yourself nutrients and keeping yourself alive. Mm -hmm. Drink water, stay hydrated, drink a beer, drink a water. Uh, But the the real piece of advice is don't be afraid to talk to the person next to you. You have something in common. You have Star Trek in common. It's the easiest opportunity you have to start a conversation. Mm -hmm. So even if you have to spend all of Wednesday amping yourself up to do it, just, just do it once.
5: Yeah,
2: that's a great piece of advice, actually. Thanks.
6: Yeah. Yeah. I want to add to the I want to add to the hydrate thing. When you walk out of that of McCarran Airport, <laughs> so true. Any <laughs> ounce of fluid that you ha- might oh, yeah. have had in your body evaporates off. Of you. It <laughs> is a desert.
2: It's it a desert. A, it is it a desert. I,
6: I don't. I don't want to hear the oh, but it's a dry heat. No, 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 no. <laughs> it, you know how when you turn on the oven and put it to 450, and then you open that up. That's what happens when you walk out of the airport. And when you come from a location like Jersey where it tends to be humid. No, no, no. I have never – I remember this the first time I went to Vegas. I walked Mm -hmm. out and literally went (laughs) – like (laughs) evaporated off my body. So I I have gone so far this year as to purchase uh, like electrolyte, concentrated electrolyte squirt
0: thing for water Mm -hmm. and pills
6: and pills oh, I am yep. not I'm not messing He's... around
0: this
5: year. Yeah. Out. And don't think it's up. it's
0: it's dry inside too. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's not it's just dry, dry outside. Yeah. You yeah. will d- get dried out in the convention space yeah. and it it also gets a little cold in there. Yeah. Believe it or not. So be All prepared. right.
1: Let's just say this quickly. You have a great opportunity to get sick.
2: <laughs> oh <laughs> um, yeah.
1: And I hate to to be so frank about it, but that's why hydration is so important mm-hmm. among You know, making sure that you remember to eat, because Mm -hmm. some people don't. Trying to get more than four hours of sleep. That would be my tip. (laughs) Make sure you get enough
0: rest, because you you will want to go, 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 and it's easy to get caught up in that, the convention craziness. And and you know what? It it pays. Just go up and take a nap for an hour after the con's over, before the nightlife starts. Just make sure you get enough rest, because... You know, a lot of the people in our Facebook group and people who've been on our podcast mm-hmm. will tell us they get into con mode
5: uh-huh. and
0: you lose all track of time. And, you know, don't forget, you're in a casino.
5: Yeah. I mean,
0: there are no clocks no. on purpose. They don't want you to know what time it is. So it's easy to just blink of an eye and 10 hours have gone by. and You're like, oh, my God, uh-huh. I'm wired. So I hit a real-
2: wall last year, um, a Friday night, uh, we were out at dinner at a lovely Mexican restaurant and I started shaking and mm-hmm. I got really, really cold and I was falling asleep at the table. <laughs> they, yeah. took me, they took me home and I crashed. <laughs> I literally, I just, I like as, as close to literally crashing as you can. Yes. I crashed and I missed, I missed Friday night because I was just out cold. Um, yeah. Don't do that pace yourself. I think jet nope. lag had something to do with it as well, yeah. but you know just pace yourself. Self-care is important to it remember. It is, it is. Wash yeah. your
6: hands, shake yeah. a hand, wash your hands. Yeah. Shake that a advisor. hand, wash your hands. You're in
1: recycled air and if you're at the bar you're going to be around smoke so mm-hmm. just come prepared, do the best you can to take care of yourself and keep an eye on yourself afterwards because you might get a cold or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Don't uh,
6: catch legionnaires at
1: yeah. <laughs> legionnaires has been taken care of uh right, so it's probably not going to be that if you do get sick but oh uh it is likely when you're in an enclosed circulated air space yep. for so many days and then you get on a plane to go home on
0: planes yep
1: i've gotten sick before i even got on the plane <laughs> while i was at the airport the kids oh no. sneezed on me and that brought me it was a bad Disney trip, so thanks, little kid.
0: <laughs> I got sick down there, too. I got sick in Disney big time. So traveling always gives you an opportunity to contract something. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, it's really easy for
6: us to go down this rabbit hole of, of the convention experience, but you guys do a phenomenal job of covering that on your podcast, and most recently you've been doing a whole series about it. So why don't we go ahead and, and – and Share with our listeners, you know, where they can find out all this information, this, the, the, the convention 101 series that you guys have been
0: doing over the last several weeks. How can people find you? Okay, so there's a whole bunch of ways to get a hold of us, but the easiest way to find us is at shoreleafpodcast.com. Uh, that'll give you access to all of our shows, and you can also get to our STLV 101 series. Thank you for bringing that up. It's a three-part series that's, I think, about five hours worth of content. Heather and, yeah, so that's – it uh, split over three parts, and we had some, some great guests who are good friends of ours and, and convention goers as well who give us a lot of great advice uh, in those shows. We answer a lot of listener questions. And you can also find our network at thetricordertransmissions.com, so there's all of our shows are there. Uh, we're also on Twitter at ShoreLeave, and we're also Shore Leave podcast on Facebook so there's lots of ways to find us and also you can find links on our website to the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas convention Facebook group and I said it right
2: (laughs) I'm very impressed by that thank you Uh, well uh, well, uh, Heather and Jeff thank you so much for joining us here on priority one today let's um let's not leave it so long next time it was a really good time
1: yeah no we're happy to talk about Star Trek just star trek and stlv i mean there's nothing better to talk about in my opinion
0: absolutely <laughs> agreed
1: great. thanks for having us on we really appreciate it
0: thanks so much this was a heck of a lot of fun thank you
1: message coming in sir
0: Having frequencies open see we are getting to know each other
2: and thank you very much to jeff hewlett and heather barker from the shoreleaf podcast for joining us today Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages.
3: Episode 325's first community question was, maybe a little bit morbidly, what's your favorite Star Trek death?
4: From Patreon, David S. commented, The most memorable Star Trek death for me is Quinn's from the Voyager episode Death Wish. There are a lot of deaths and noble sacrifices in Star Trek, but to the best of my knowledge, this was the only suicide.
2: Yeah, and I actually responded to this because I was trying to I was trying to uh, figure out whether a noble suicide actually uh, excuse me, whether a noble sacrifice actually counts as a suicide, but I suppose I suppose it doesn't really. I mean, there's a distinction made here because we have had noble sacrifices, haven't we? people people going, All right, I'm off, uh, and that's the end. Have of I've been
3: and always shall be your friend. Yes, Hello. for instance, yes, for instance, probably
2: be the most famous one, but uh, but yes, uh, data technically speaking, was a... Yeah, that's true, true. That yep. also Notice was this, a noble yeah. sacrifice, that, so, yeah. But
3: it was in a terrible movie, so I don't know if it counts. Uh, no, but
2: uh, but I was I was wondering, is that really the only suicide, the only depiction of suicide? Oh, and what about Tuvix? the guy... Tuvix? Uh, no, that was murder. Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, a whole uh, other episode. Discuss, yeah. Discuss, <laughs> discuss. yeah. Exactly. Uh, Throw no, that grenade uh, out there and no, let it go. Yeah. I'm thinking of the one where I can't remember the name of the episode because I'm really bad about that. Uh, where Loxana Troy met the guy <sighs> and in there. David their, Ogden
3: Sears. Yep. What was it? The, yep. The, i was just. I remember the name of the actor, David Ogden Steers, the guy that played that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and it about, was
2: yeah. it, in his culture at the age of 60. I think they mm-hmm, either someone, they yeah. either commit suicide or allow themselves to be killed. I can't remember what that was. I'm not sure if that counts.
4: That was the same thing I was going to uh, suggest as well, because uh, that that one came to me. So it has been
3: shown before. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, well, at least heavily implied, maybe not depicted on screen, but I mean, yeah. But it, yeah, it's, it's it's a topic that's been covered. And yeah, I mean, the thing, characters.
2: I'm not familiar with with this episode of Voyager, so you have to forgive me. But Winters is dying over there I'm sorry I didn't get to it They took it off Netflix before I had a chance It's so. It's on the all right.
4: I'll give you a little bit of backstory to this So there is a, uh, a A new Q character Introduced to us known as Quinn Or he becomes known as Quinn And basically he wants to die he is fed up, he has experienced everything, he's been to every plane of existence, and he has become fed up of life, and the Q Continuum imprisoned him so that he wouldn't be able to commit suicide, and Voyager comes across him, and they end up uh, having, uh, uh, not a debate, but um, like a, a conference to uh, uh, grant him uh, an asylum. Am- am- embassy, amnesty yeah, Amnesty request yeah. I
5: think
4: and um, yeah I won't spoil well no we know what happens <laughs> I was gonna say
2: I think David S did yeah I think uh,
4: we're past the
3: spoiler date on this one by about 20 years yeah,
4: yeah. so anyway the am- amnesty is granted and uh, he ultimately uh, commits suicide uh, and Q actually helped him do it
2: do you know I think I have seen this one it's, it rings a bell now it was a very it, very so. good
4: episode it was absolutely fantastic it was very, very, very good. It's
3: pretty heavy for a Q episode.
2: It is. It, well, yeah, it is. But I can see why it's why it's so memorable.
3: From Facebook, Matthias Wutherick uh, writes in and says, I first got into Star Trek The Next Generation to learn English, since it's not my first language. I really loved Data, not only because he is how he is, but because of his way to talk, since he never cut his sentences short. I cannot, instead of I can't, for example. Anyhow, so I was watching Nemesis, and bam, not only my favorite character, but in a way, my English teacher was gone and dead. I did not expect it beforehand, so I was totally in shock. I was really blue for over a week because it somehow hit me so hard. But it's okay, because he's still in B9, or B4, and, uh, and and it was in the worst movie ever, so I don't think it counts.
2: <laughs> yeah, we just we forget about Nemesis. I just, yeah. It's just just, you know,
4: I don't else. think that Nemesis was that bad.
3: Uh, it was pretty bad
4: compared to compared to the TOS movies that was a lot, that was a lot better than the TOS movies production value it's not as bad as it five. used
2: the rape of a major character as a major plot device that it nullifies the whole film
3: Winters I'm going to do you a favor Winters I'm going to do you a big favor if if I can make it to, <laughs> if I can make it to Star Trek Las Vegas if <laughs> I'm going to put about I'm gonna buy Ken about two or three gin and tonics, and I'm gonna let her talk about Harry Mud and Star Trek Nemesis to me. And I'm not gonna say anything. Get it out of my system. I'm just gonna let her lecture me until until she's until she's just done. Till she's I'm not even gonna say anything. I'm just gonna nod and steeple the fingers. Yeah. Mm, mm, yes. Mm, yes. And then and then Winters, you'll be able to comment on how Nemesis wasn't so bad forever, because she'll be all like. Uh, Tony Tony took care of this. Tony we, we, it, it's uh, so hey fingers crossed Winters I can go to Star Trek Las Vegas, okay? You, you should be helping. <laughs> you helping there.
2: Never give up, never surrender.
3: <laughs> um, oh god.
2: From Twitter, Chris Keane at keeney 1975 says, "It wasn't my favorite Star Trek death, but the one that affected me the most was the death of Kirk's son David." Yeah? Yes. Yeah, I, and it was one that I that was one. not expecting. I'll be honest with you; I really didn't expect them to kill him off.
3: And it set up Star Trek Six pretty well. So that one had repercussions. That one had reperc— that was a serious one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Good one, Chris. Uh, from Facebook, Jason McClary says, "USS Enterprise and Star Trek Three brought tears to my eyes," I,
2: and beyond. Boy, Star Trek.
3: Yeah, I mean, again, big implications. It set up Star Trek Four, right? And you know it's the death of the Enterprise, and watching, and you know they stranded themselves on a planet that was going to blow up. I mean, that's another good one, man. Two from Star Trek Three.
2: It's funny actually that uh, that he said that because I think just this week as well, I think Thomas Maroney also said a very similar thing for Star Trek Beyond that you know it's hard, it is hard to watch, it's hard to watch the Enterprise get destroyed. I thought that when I watched Beyond, it 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 hit me, which is dumb. <laughs> because it's basically a very large car or boat, um, but it's it really yeah, it is yeah, it, it, really d- it, oh, it is yeah, it's it it a, yeah, it it a main character and it was it was hard to watch. So I get it.
3: See, the only one that makes it that's worse is the is the Enterprise D, which was basically brought down by uh, Poor Deanna steering. Troy driving. <laughs> 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 you know, uh, that's 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 where that one goes. But you know. Hey, Generations wasn't that great of a movie either. It's, it's right down there with Star Trek V.
2: From Twitter, Captain Revo said, Zial, shocking, emotional, well-acted, and had consequences. It wasn't the usual actor wanting to leave, and no sci-fi way of bringing her back. And Marco Price agreed emphatically, damn straight.
3: Yeah, uh, that's another one that had repercussions. You know, I don't think Garrick was ever the same after that one. So. And Ducat definitely wasn't. He went off the deep end. So I, I, yeah, it, it again. It's this is the hopefully the lesson that Discovery takes is that, you know, don't just do it because it's plotty, or because you have to do that because that's how TV goes. Make sure it counts, and make sure that stuff happens two or three episodes down the line that people go, oh yeah. Well, that's a that's a of course that's what's going to happen after you kill Bob in security because Bob in security this was his job to do this and. That job's not getting done, so this is a natural consequence. I mean, that's, the. I hope, the kind of deep thinking that they're doing when they do, you know. Bring in the death guy. Oh, I've seen it. <laughs> no. Oh, I s- no. I sensed, I sensed you, doing
2: it. They- oh.
5: oh,
3: man. Yeah. Just make sure it counts. From Facebook, Chris Trone wrote
4: in and said, The most impactful death for me was Jadzia. I wasn't old enough for Spock or Tasha to impact me like it did others. I really enjoyed the Jadzia character. Strong, feminine, intelligent, and kind. Her death came as a surprise. It was shocking. And I was very angry at the time. I guess I am a little still. Yeah. I was very shocked when Jadzia was killed off. I couldn't believe that.
3: Yeah. Although, again, maybe this is the difference. I mean, uh, Terry Farrell wanted out. Yeah, she did. And... And then they immediately brought in Ezri. So it's I, like we still have death. I, I
4: didn't know that at the time. It, it just seemed to come out of nowhere. You know that she was being killed off. There was no nothing leading up to it. I didn't. It's not like today. You know where you hear what's going on with actors and
3: yeah, or or or, and that was from an era of TV where the main characters didn't get killed off. That wasn't it. Wasn't a regular thing. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. But I mean again, I I think that the fact that they brought in Ezri like right away was sort of... I think it kind of blunted the impact a little bit. Much like before whistling all the stuff, whistling the music at the end of Nemesis sort of blunted Data a little bit. So... It's again sci-fi tropey retcon type things.
2: Episode three twenty-five's second community question was also perhaps morbidly, but probably not. Are you a Star Trek gamer? If you are, what do you play and what do you like about it? And if you're not, are there other ways that you get together with other Star Trek fans?
3: From Twitter, Daydreamer says, "I only play Star Trek online. I like the immersion with the stories. I used to do role play by forums, but kind of stopped since STO." I did Elite Force once and that was a lot of fun, especially the holodeck maps. I wish STO had something similar for the PvP games, such as Capture the Flag."
2: Well, we're kind of getting closer to that, aren't we, with the new, um, the new board game scenarios? Not quite the same as just like, straight Capture the Flag, but it's getting there, hopefully.
4: From Facebook, Rob Kramer wrote in, "...I'm absolutely a Trek gamer. I like to dive into stool when I can, even though the Platinum Trophy is impossible to unlock on the PS4. Bridge Crew is my baby these days. It's a Trek gaming experience I've always dreamed of since I was a little kid. Sure hoping they flesh it out with some DLC content sometime soon, though. Bridge of the Enterprise D, please.
2: Ooh, yeah. That would be nice. You know, if they can keep that game going long enough... I'm sure all of that stuff will go. Because if Bridge Crew can stick around long enough, if they can prove the model, if they can prove a recurring revenue stream and all of those things and get it into people's hands, you know, we have so... You know, Star Trek Online has managed to build over the years a lot of different assets, a lot of things that, you know, that are straight from... Well, they're straight from the show, you know. Bridge Crew, if they could keep it going could totally do that i i I believe it'll be
3: bridge crew two if they if they man if they get an audience and they get a user a user base of the right size it'll it'll be the sequel it'll be bridge crew two it'll be the enterprise d from facebook aj viega says as an australian meeting other trekkies is rare first it's not well known or on tv at all when it was on it was shown at midnight and was years behind in episodes let alone seasons But I am crazy over Trek. As a teacher, I teach to my kids for science and draw enterprises for art. But cons are not a thing, and no one ever comes out to my part of Australia, so STO is my only source for catching up with Trekkies. I used to play Mass Effect all the time and other games, but then my Xbox red-ringed. I moved to STO and been playing every day since. But I've recently tipped my toe in Star Trek Timelines and Stellaris Trek Mod, but only if I'm done doing some dailies with STO. And the Stellaris Trek mod is very good.
2: Is it? I, I will say I, we did it, we did a little story on it. Uh, it's got to be a couple of months ago now on it, but and it sounded really promising. But I don't play Stellaris, so hey.
3: <laughs> I, I Lenin Lenin made me do it.
5: <laughs> uh, <Lenin first. laughs>
3: For a long time, for everyone, <laughs> listeners will recall that Lennon uh, is our uh, original British uh, contributor to uh, uh, Priority One. He's still in the background, as uh, so always, hovering, you know, you know, menacingly, making me do things like play games. Uh, you make it and, sound uh, like so he's he, he is you. with me.
5: He, he did. He totally did. It. Oh,
3: I lost. I lost hours. I lost hours <laughs> to this game. Yeah, it was. It, I did not sleep as well because I was up late playing this game. Uh, but yeah, but Stelaris is an excellent strategy game, and it does have a mod that kind of converts everything to more or less a Federation, Klingon, Romulan, uh, Alpha Quadrant type universe. And uh, yeah, it's the game is excellent, and the mod's pretty faithful to Trek. You know, tech and 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 advancement. So, anybody who is a fan of the old Birth of the Federation game should really try getting Stellaris and putting the Star Trek mod on top of it because I think that will probably give you a lot of the same feels that you had from that uh, from that era. Mm
2: -hmm. I have actually I have two comments on this on this little piece of feedback. Number one, surely more Australians are going to be more Star Trek fans, uh, you know, in modern days because Chris Hemsworth. Well, sure. I mean, come on. I mean, he's like blue blood home and away.
3: And we had an audio editor from Australia for a while, too. So so we know. We know.
2: But, uh, you know, um, silliness aside, he's raised a really good point about Star Trek Online. And one of the reasons that Star Trek Online is fantastic, because uh, as long as you have access to the Internet... Uh, and a half decent computer you can play Star Trek online and you can connect with Star Trek fans anywhere it's easy it's totally immersive and I just I highly recommend it for anybody who is a big Star Trek fan who feels isolated because of you know where they happen to live I mean if you live in Timbuktu you could probably play Star Trek online and hang out with Trekkies so it's, it's pretty cool and for our next piece of feedback from Twitter, Kyle Hadiniak says, I'm playing Elite Force 2. I'm late to the party. I like the post-nemesis setting. Otherwise, Star Trek Online is great for multiplayer.
3: From ParodyOnePodcast.com, Chio Yumiku says I'm also a Star Trek gamer, Star Trek Online gamer. I love Star Trek Online because it feels IP-based and Star Trekky. I came to this game from Star Wars The Old Republic, which, in my opinion, Not only does free-to-play wrong, but feels like generic sci-fi with a Star Wars name. It doesn't immerse me into the Star Wars universe the way STO immerses me into the Trekverse. I love both IPs equally, but game-wise, I love STO the most.
2: Now, 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 we are not going to get into a fight over which free-to-play MMO is better. Star Wars (laughs) or Star Trek. Because
4: I tried Star Wars The Old Republic, and
3: I have never played a game that is so restrictive. As free-to-play. It's their free-to-play model is terrible. I mean, they were originally not free-to-play, uh, but so was Star Trek. Star Trek Online handled their transition amazingly well. And Star Wars just completely blew it. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it's just they, their, their free-to-play model is terrible. I couldn't believe how restrictive it was. Yeah, it's it's, it's awful. Uh, and, and, I mean, yeah, maybe we're biased, of course, because we're the Star Trek podcast. But, I mean... I play. I play other games. I got a whole other podcast about other games, right? I mean, I, I I don't just play Star Trek online, but and I'll tell you that they have a excellent free to play model. I mean, it's very, very, very good, um, and I think it's should be it should be the envy of everybody, everybody else. And they should study it. People should write papers about their model. As far as I'm concerned, uh, it's it's really really it. It, they've They've worked hard to create the balance, and I remember some early interviews with Al when they first brought the lock boxes out. He was like it kind of upset that people were mad at the lock boxes. They're like we tried really hard to try to make it you know fair and, and exciting for people, and He was kind of hurt um but they iterated on it, and they made them better and now it seems to be a thing uh so uh yeah, ugh, free to play hard to do right.
2: From Twitter, Jason Worrell says, Strategy Games, there's a mod for Sins of a Solar Empire that gives it a Star Trek skin, and I'll always miss Birth of the Federation.
3: Sins is a good game too, but I think Stellaris is better. And it's, it's, it's modern, it's up to date, Stellaris is a brand new game, so yeah, I would I gotta recommend it.
4: From Facebook, Daniel D. I admin in a Star Trek meetup group and host Trek marathons. Trek Tabletop Gaming and Cosplay Neelix. Stow has recently become a game for my wife and I to play together as well. That's pretty awesome. Yes,
2: Daniel. Yes, this is amazing. And I wish that there was more of this going on because I, like, if there was a place, if it was, like, a group local to where I was that had Star Trek meetups and Trek marathons and all that stuff, I would totally do that. I would not run one myself. It's just not really my thing, but I would totally go. And I'm
4: just for the experience. Yay, Daniel.
2: Yeah, yeah just yeah. because I, I do like hanging out with Trekkies. That's one of the reasons I like going to conventions, but I don't get to do it very close to home. So, yeah. Yeah.
3: And our title at Tuesday winner this week is Jason Smith for his uh, caption work Live from DS9 It's Priority One Podcast with special guest Chris Keene it's a picture of Elijah and Kenna and uh, faithful listener Chris Keen uh, superimposed onto the DS9 Ops Bridge, uh, Ops screen up there. Uh, So well done, uh, Jason Smith. But uh, honorable mention this week to the Bearded Trio, who took that idea and ran with it and uh, put that same picture onto the Enterprise D Bridge with Picard sort of like walking away in disgust. And then he added the caption, No words, I'll let Picard do the talking here. So yeah, honorable mention to the bearded trio uh, for for that uh, uh, fine work, fine work.
2: And I remember when that picture was taken. That was taken the very last night of uh, the Las Vegas convention last year. Tony, you had already gone home, I think, at that point. Home. Um, uh, Winters, I don't know where you were.
4: I was probably at the bar. There's staggering a very around chance. that was my guess yes yeah.
2: but I remember that was taken at the Masquerade Bar in the Rio and it was the very last night everybody was kind of coming down <laughs> a little and, depressed yeah it was uh, but it was it was a good it was good it was a good night
4: oh that was the very last night was it
2: that was the very last night that was Sunday night that was
4: the night yeah. that I finished up again at 5 o'clock in the morning and I had a flight to catch at 11am or something
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: God,
3: you punished yourself last year, man. You are you are yeah, it wow. was fantastic. It was brilliant. Well, you're not thir- you're not you're not 30 yet, I are am. you? I am. I'm 33. Oh. Oh. You shouldn't have been doing oh, that. Oh yeah. <laughs> you're way too old. <laughs> <laughs> you don't you've
4: never met many Irish people, have you?
3: Uh, yeah. yeah I, I I can document a 3 ace heritage, but apparently that dilutes really quick. Oh apparently my god, I'm Irish like an eighth. Is, yeah, no, yeah. I, I.
2: You're more no, Irish you're, than I am, Tony. Y-
3: yeah, yeah, I got papers, I got receipts. You <laughs> got, got receipts. But, but, but apparently, but apparently, that three ace does not does not care. I mean, well, factor in my age as well. I'm also a little older than you, so maybe maybe that has something to do with it. But you are a machine, man. We could not keep up.
4: And finally, we have a iTunes review from hosts, fun and informative. Excellent place to get the latest Star Trek information and the best podcast I have found on the subject. I personally enjoy the banter between the hosts along with all the great info about STO and new Trek projects. To be honest, they are the reason why my interest in Star Trek and STO has been reignited. Also check out the YouTube for Winter's Gaming for some really informative STO videos.
2: he he raises a really good point well he or she raises a very good point yes Winters has been doing a lot of work doing some great videos all about Star Trek Online there's some top tips in there uh, there's some playthroughs in there and I mean this guy knows Star Trek Online so go and check them out I highly recommend it
4: and I really appreciate those kind words thank you very much
2: well that wraps up episode 326 of Priority One a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast for more great podcasts like Mission Log and Women at Warp, go to podcasts.rodenberry.com.
3: Before we go, here's a reminder of our community question this week. What are your thoughts on the new Star Trek Online featured episode?
2: Captains, you know we love hearing from you. So leave us a comment on our website at priorityonepodcast.com. You can leave a comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priorityonepodcast.com. Or you can leave in tweet at us via at Pod.
4: Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Thursday nights at around 11pm Eastern. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today.
2: This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash one. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies It's your support that keeps us going.
3: Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com, covering the world of space sims including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice.
2: A big thanks to Jeff Hewlett and Heather Barker from the Shoreleaf podcast for joining us this week. Also a big thanks to our writer John K. Kirk for helping us out with parts of this week's episode. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker and Jake Morgan, with support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Holosuite Media. And speaking of Jake Morgan, a big thanks to him for spearheading all of our social media endeavors and skits. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to our associate producer, Navy Boats Lou. And most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, and our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Engage.
3: This week, Star Trek Discovery has hired fact checkers to make sure it keeps with established canon. It's Star Trek Easter eggs a go-go, and teleportation, and teleportation is closer to reality, and the Star Trek versus Star There's a, you know, there's sometimes, sometimes yes. there's not enough punctuation. Sometimes, there's... this is what you're talking about, I think, is what you're talking about. Like, you were done, but you, maybe, okay. Beep, beep. <laughs> In Star Trek Online, another gaming news: season three point five. Dang it, thirteen. Yeah,
2: season three point five happened roughly four years Woo. ago.
3: Back in time.
2: <laughs> well,
3: we were talking about the Tipler cylinder earlier. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, before the show, we were talking about how Kenna just passes out the hard parts, like the hard <laughs> names, stuff like that. She gave me the ad lib here, so thanks a bunch, Kenna. <clears throat> okay, here we go. <laughs> um,
2: who wants to read that?
3: <laughs> I'll, I'll go into it. Are you are gonna
2: be me? This is I'll gonna do it confusing. for this for
3: this one line for this, for this one line I'm secure enough my masculinity I can be you for one line
2: episode okay. 325's first <laughs> <community>. <laughs> 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 because we all know that's what I sound like
3: that's what you do that's right that that's was a very exactly good impersonation you of yourself. Roll. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is Kenna doing Kenna. This is, yeah, okay, now now watch. How hey, do do Tony impression? I, watch everybody. <laughs>
5: Episode three hundred and twenty five. It's <laughs> community question.
2: Winters, Winters, do one of you.
5: <laughs>
2: winters, do Winters.
3: This is Tony closing sync one.
2: This is Kenna closing sync two.
3: Winters sync three. Oh my God, he's going fast.
2: <laughs> I said theme music. Which isn't a thing. We'll
4: make it a thing. And another one bites the dust.